Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about growing and scaling a marketing agency and how to find the best clients in order to continue to innovate and achieve great results. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Eric Huberman, founder and CEO of Hawk Media. Eric, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you as as someone who had grown and and sold a, a marketing agency. Uh, you know, to always always like to talk shop here and and learn from from others as well. So why don't why don't we just get started by you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing at, at Hawk Media. Yeah. So background, make a long story short, I basically built two e-commerce companies that I sold uh, the last one about a decade ago, and then started advising and consulting for a bunch of brands on how to drive revenue growth using marketing. It's where I had really focused, obviously, in my own company, too, and just found that the whole marketing ecosystem was broken. It is really hard to find great marketing talent. It's really hard to afford great marketing talent. There was just a lot of things in people's way when it came time to execute. And so just got sick of it, decided to hire my own team, started with seven people, each with their own expertise. So like a Facebook marketer, email marketer, web designer, fractional CMO, et cetera, and went back to the brands I was advising for and said, hey, everything's a la carte, month to month, cheaper than hiring in-house. The idea is you could spin up what you need when you need it, and ebb and flow and change as your needs change. And that's how we started. And fast forward, now we're about 300 people and branded marketing for about 600 brands. Wow, that's great. So yeah, to dive in here. So as, as you just said, you know, the agency grew from really, you know, an idea of, of how to do things better to now 300, nearly 300 employees. What was your initial goal when you kind of first set out? And you, you touched on this, but when did you know you had achieved it and, and had to kind of reset goals? Yeah. So it's funny. That's a good question. When I first started, there was no goal. It's just like, hey, I need to fix this immediate problem. Let me fix it. Yeah. And then after a few months of me going, oh, wow, this is actually like a bigger need than I thought. This wasn't like initially it was like, oh, my clients, I can't find a decent agency for them. So I'm just going to go do this myself. And then it was like, oh, it's not just my clients. It's everyone can't yeah. find a decent agency. So I'm going to start building this. And that's when I set the goal of, you know, I used early on revenue numbers to actually like basically it was like a scoreboard for me. So I said, we're going to do 1 million, two and a half, five, ten in the first four years. And that's the goals. Is That's how I want to build this. Yeah. And that's how we started. And then once we, once we got to that $10 million goal, I would say, because that's why I like this question, I had no idea where to go from there. That was just like, <laughs> I had a very clear picture of how to do five, you know, one, two and a half, five, ten. We actually hit all those goals and hit them within 1% every year. So like it was wow, actually yeah. a testament to setting goals and how you manage to hitting those goals, et cetera. Yeah. So we did well then. And then I was just like, I don't know, do we go from 10 to 20? Like I had no plan from there. And I would say those two years were weird years for the company because I didn't really have a vision of where it would go from there. I was just like, let's just keep growing. And, that, and it took a couple of years to really get back to, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're creating. And that's where our mission statement really started to play into it. 
which is accessibility to great marketing and the idea that we should be making great marketing accessible, that generally it's this opaque, expensive, really tough industry when it comes to getting great marketing talent. And we wanted to make it so that we could be the best at what we did, but also super accessible, nimble, cost-effective, et cetera. And so that started really driving how we did things. Then we started seeing growth again, and that's kind of been the story to today where we continue to expand globally. We just expanded into Europe. We have offices in Asia and Europe and continue to build. Yeah. So let's let's go back just a little bit to that period of, of those two years as, as you described yeah. it. And, you know, I think there's, I'm quoting from somebody else, but there's the, you know, what got you here won't get you where you need to go kind yeah. of kind of thing that's, you know, ma- many talk about, but, you know, having lived through it myself, um, it sounds like you have as well. It's, it's, it's much different to read about it than to, to be living it. Right. Um, what were some of the, what were some of the things that you, maybe tactics or methods that you use to kind of get, to use the word stuck, to kind of get unstuck? You know, it was it wasn't easy. It was the, I, you know, it took time because, you know, people talk about like you have the visionary in the company and they're, you know, they're just, uh, you know, I think people just assume like they're sitting around thinking about things. And right. like, well, I'm, I'm working and trying to build and trying to grow and doing all these things without really knowing where that North Star is. But it's my responsibility as a founder and CEO to really set it. And so yeah. Yeah. I hired actually a close friend for a few years that I, I thought, oh, I always go back to what he said, which I thought put it best. We basically went through puberty where our body didn't quite fit our brain and like everything was awkward. And yeah. it really what the best way to sum it up was we didn't know what we were tr- building. And we had this now we had this infrastructure and this overhead and all these people and our profitability had been hit because we needed all these senior executives, but we didn't really quite have the size to capitalize on them yet. And so it was just a weird time for the company. But from what I understand, looking now at lots of other similar companies, it's kind of par for the course in this type of business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, like I said, I, I, I lived through that as well at a few different stages of growth. And, you know, it's if you haven't been through it before, how, you know, I, I didn't have an MBA. I didn't have a finance background or an operation. I was a designer that thought I was going to get to do what I love doing all day when I started a company. And sure, sure enough, I had to learn everything else in the world too and, yeah. and all that so even with partners and and employees and all that stuff you know as as you well know fast fast forward to today then how do you can continue your growth and not not only financial growth but just innovation and you know making sure that you're doing the right thing for your clients and also you know outperforming your your competitors yeah it's constantly looking down the field, so to speak. Like, I think that's the best way to put it. And it's, you know, that's not a perfect answer of like, oh, it's a simple little playbook, but it's like, where do we think the industry is going? Where do we think the economy is going? That's part of it too. And like, what do we think are going to be the things that actually play a part? And I'd say marketing changes very fast and slow at the same time. It's hard to explain, but it's like, you know, every, there's always a new marketing channel, which I think is the fallacy of marketing is that you have to jump on all these channels and do all these things all the time. That's the part that I don't agree with. But then you have something happen like the iOS changes for Facebook and all of a sudden platforms that were the go-to platforms for the, of the past decade don't apply anymore yeah. at this in the same way. And so you have to completely change what has been working for a decade and there isn't a playbook right now is frankly the, the truth is you're dealing in a, the weird time thing about marketing right now is there's no set playbook that everybody's running like there has been for a decade. Yeah. And you've got an economic situation where everybody's scared of testing anything. So you don't want to test, but what was working isn't working. 
So it's this weird period, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, to, to go into the, the economic piece, I mean, you know, certainly things, things are a, a bit uh, tenuous at, at the moment, but, you know, even just going last few years with the pandemic and, and things like that, uh, you know, what, what kind of changes did the pandemic itself bring to your, not only your internal operations, but also the way that you work with clients? Yeah. So internal operations, we went fully remote. So we were 90% in an office in LA. We had offices in Baltimore, Boston, and New York. And we went from that to just completely remote. And so, but I would say we were built for it because we were already working remote for our clients. So we already used Zoom and Slack and all these platforms. So it wasn't a huge shift in the tools that we used, et cetera. But I will say over time, we've seen the effects of remote work. It is a lot harder to build that camaraderie, that culture. And we've also seen like Gallup just came out with a poll that last year was the most stressful, depressed year in our nation's recorded history when, since they've been recording wow. levels of stress in our nation. Like, so it's hard to create that emotional support for our team. You know, the technical support, the training, all that, that's a lot easier. Working remote has a ton of benefits, but it has a ton of costs. And so that really changed the way the company works, the way the company's building. I mean, we did a, you know, annual vacation for all our team now, but now our team is everywhere. So it doesn't really work the same. And yeah. it, you know, just change that part. As far as our clients, frankly, it changed very little. Yeah. Which yeah. is great because what was nice is we were able to keep consistent with our service while, you know, figuring out in in listen, there's a ton of cost savings. There's a t- you know, our average employee I think makes 30% more a year than they did pre-COVID. Like we've been able to do a lot for our people too. Yeah. But it, it creates challenges as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you do you see your company going back into the office, or do you think is, is no? Remote- I mean, it's one of those things, like we have we're in forty something states now. We're in you know six countries or something like. Yeah, there's yeah. no rolling it back, and yeah. so that you know, not that I don't, I don't think I would even if I could, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, we can't. But at the same time, as I just said, like I, I don't think that. I think the benefits outweigh the cost. They're just our costs. So it, it's changing the way we have to think about the business. And also it changes the typology of your employees because there's employees that want to be in an office and want to be around a bunch of people. This isn't going to resonate with them as well. So they're going to start moving on, looking for other things, et cetera. Then we can hire people that are joining a remote team and want to be a part of a remote team. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's um, let's switch gears a little bit and just talk a little more broadly about applying your your experience but to you know to other to other agencies and you know talk about how to get the type of reach for for the clients you're looking for so you know let's say you're a, currently a, a small agency and want to work with household name brands you know what's what's a good way from your experience and, and perspective to get started even if you don't have a huge marketing budget uh, I mean the key to starting a successful agency from my experience, you can start an okay agency as a good salesperson, (laughs) but to be a good agency is to actually be good at marketing. And so I think that's the problem with a lot of the agencies we see out there these days is like they watch too many Gary Vaynerchuk videos and they're like, oh, I'm just going to be like him. And it's like that dude built a $60 million wine company before he ever tried to sell marketing services. Like it's not about just can I sell to the right client. It's like, can I do good work? And who can I do good work for? You know, my business was built off of, I built and sold two e-commerce companies successfully and then started selling my services to people, helping them grow. Cause I had figured out how to do it for myself and now I was going to do it for others. So that was an easy thing to sell. So it wasn't like some weird tactic about getting my clients. It was like, Oh, Hey, I've done what you want to do. Do you want me to do it for you? 
And so, you know, getting business in the beginning wasn't hard. And then we'd take those strategies. I'd get, you know, a client that maybe was a little bit of a stretch for what I, my experience was, but it, I could pull from my experience for them. And they, and I was transparent about it. I was like, you know, have you worked with a company like ours? No, but this is what I have done and I'm happy to see if it applies and then it would work. And so now I've opened up a new industry is yeah. a lot of how this worked along the way. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like that answer and I think it may be disappointing to some because yeah. wouldn't it be nice Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's a great way of putting it. It's like, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if I could just get a big name client based on, yeah, be, either being a good salesperson or having a nice marketing presence of my own or whatever. And by the way, you can land them for sure. You just won't keep them and you'll burn <laughs> your reputation. And that's the part that like your reputation and marketing, like it is really hard to build a good marketing reputation because I'll tell you, like, even though we've done incredible work, we've taken companies from nothing to billions in revenue many times, like objectively, we are good at what we do. You can still go out there and see a bunch of Google reviews about how we're con artists and don't know what we're doing, just like any company, just like a restaurant has like, oh, they tried to kill me with my food. Like, no, we didn't. Like (laughs) that exists in every industry. And so that's that's going to happen no matter what you do. But if you give them a reason, meaning like you're not doing good work, it's going to happen a lot more and you're going to have a very, very hard time being successful. Yeah. Well, and. You know, to kind of follow on that, I mean, is is getting those name client? I mean, I'm you know, I'm certainly one. I'm proud of the, some of the brands I've worked with. I've I've worked with some you know several household names, but you know, should that be again, kind of thinking from that that smaller growing agency, should that be the goal, or is is building your marketing chops, or you know, what it, what what should the goal be at that growth at that early growth stage? I think everybody's different. And I think that's the part of the problem with just the industry, to be honest, is everybody's trying to do the same thing that worked for someone else. That's not our industry, actually. That's every industry. (laughs) Fair enough. Someone else's playbook. And it's like, if you're copying another playbook, like you're not going to win. So like my playbook was a la carte, month to month, really flexible marketing services, which by the way, most agency people would tell me, and I understand why you're nuts. That'll never work. <laughs> and it's a really big pain in the ass to build an agency with the with that as part of the tentpole. Yeah. But I knew that there was a niche for it that I wanted to build because I was a part of it. Because when I was building my companies, I hated these like agents. I hated agencies. I hated finding like they all were terrible to me. <laughs> and so I wanted to find one that actually worked the way I wanted to. And it's like, well, I'll just build it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've been doing this long enough to have have seen several trends come and go and then come again and and all that stuff. So, you know, one one trend is how much talent is brought in-house versus outsourced, right? And so again, I've seen this go up and down over the past couple decades, you know, depending on any number of factors. Some of it's the economy, some of it's just trends. Yep. What do you see over the next few years in terms of that? I mean, do you see do you say, see more in-house talent continuing to be brought in? And then, you know, what, what's the role of the agency, you know, over the next few years? Yeah, you know, I think the, the that conversation, having that conversation in a binary way, I think is the biggest mistake. Like, yeah. I think all companies should have both. Yeah. And it's, I, I just don't think it's, it, it's a weird thing to do to, to just make decisions in a binary way. I think we all know that extremes are never the right answer. And so when it comes to in-house versus agency, I think you need to look at your business and depending on the stage, depending on what talent you've actually been able to attract, because this is a big part of it is when companies say we're like 
you know, we're going to do, you know, our media buying in-house. I'm like, you can't compete with me by finding some media buyer off the street. I literally have built a nine-year-old business on managing, training, hiring, recruiting, and giving all the tools to media buyers to do this way better than you can do it in-house as a smaller medium business. Like there's a reason we're good at what we do. And so trying to replicate that is insane. It's like, are you also going to build an entire tax accounting practice? <laughs> right, right. Person, you know, business like it's crazy to do. But if you find a great content creator that's really great and can and wants to work full time for you, like, yeah, then don't give that to an agency. You found someone like there's reasons to do both. And I think that's important in terms of trends, though. I think it's whatever, you know, whatever someone wants to put on a headline or speak on stage about it that year, you know, again, I've been doing this long enough now yeah. that I've watched the trend of the year go back and forth and back and forth. We're going to outsource everything. We're going to in-house everything. And it's like, every time I see that, I go, okay, this one's an idiot. But, <laughs> right, right. I know, I know what you mean. And I, I, I agree with you. And I think you just constantly want to follow that moving target. Just like, okay, so for now, this is working. And the other thing is I'd say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I watched that happen with marketing a lot where it's like everything is working really well. They're getting good returns. And they're like, okay, now we're going to change everything. Yeah. It's like, why? <laughs> right, right. Because of a headline somewhere to your point. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, just thinking back to, I mean, I do consulting now, but even with the agency, like the best relationships that I had with, with customers were always the most well-informed and yeah. the, the smartest client, you know, the ones that tried to outsource the thinking in their marketing department all entirely. That was, that did not, that never ended well. It might've started great. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not, I agree with you. Yeah. It's, you need both. You need internal people that are, you know, living and breathing the brand, which is instinctually what people are thinking of when they say they're in house. So like, they're going to live and breathe a brand. I'm like, I get what you mean by that. Right. But the problem is, you're working in a vacuum in-house. So if you don't have a view into what else is going on, you don't have proper training. Again, our systems, like no company smaller than, I'd say if you're not a $100 million plus company, and probably more, frankly, you're not going to have even close to the tools we have. So like the amount of money we spend on marketing tools because we can spread it across a bunch of companies is a lot. And so the idea of doing that in-house is crazy, but the idea of not taking advantage of that with an agency is crazy. And so finding the proper partner is also, there's a reason every, almost every Fortune 500 uses agencies. Like there's no, and a lot of people think there's a point where they get big enough to grow out of agency. It's like, that's not how the biggest companies in the world work, but sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. No. Uh, so one one last question before we wrap up here, uh, you know, what what would your advice be to somebody that let's say they're just starting out? I mean, in their with their their small agency, what are some first things that they should be thinking about? Some first steps they should be taking to set themselves up for the most success? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be general business advice that applies just as much to an agency as anything else. Like, where do you fit in the market? That's like, is it actually needed? Are you solving a pain point? Because if you're not, if you're just another one. Yeah, you're going to build a small business, but a lot of times, frankly, from an expected value standpoint, if you're good enough to build a small agency and hustle like that, you might be better off just getting a job or right. joining another agency. Right. If they've already built what you're like, if you don't have a unique perspective on what you're trying to build and you're just doing it because it makes some cash, it, again, it is a grind. And most agencies never break the million dollar mark, which means profit wise, they're probably making one to 200 grand. And working, running a business, like you can probably go get a job for that much money if you're good enough to build that agency. So, yeah. you know, it's it's it, it depends on you. 
but it also depends on like what niche have you captured and it could be a vertical niche it could, like where is it underserved that you have a an opportunity to build something that's going to serve your customer better than they've been served like if that is something you've found versus like i know how to do marketing and i can make some cold calls and try to get some clients like that's the part that i think people get stuck into yeah. and again that is it turns into a hamster wheel for these people and we do a lot of m&a so we see kind of the back end of like burnout and the struggle that happens when those agencies haven't necessarily been built with that in mind. So again, it's like any business, you you don't want to start a business for the sake of starting a business. You want to start a business because something's missing that you're filling. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great advice. Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining the show. For those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with you and what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, you can add or slash Eric Huberman on all the social channels is probably the easiest. Great, great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Eric Huberman, founder and CEO of Hawk Media for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.